Hello everyone, this is Gideon Fiddlezide, Editorial Director of Custom at the Haymarket Business Media Group. It is my pleasure to join you today for this really, really special podcast, The Future of Social Media. Social media. You know a podcast is going to be really good when you have a topic and you have two absolutely perfect speakers to talk about it. That's exactly what we have today. Two leaders from an incredibly appropriately named agency, We Are Social. Moby Nazir, who is the Global Chief Strategy Officer, and Devin Vipond, who is the Senior Director of Research and Insight in North America. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Great. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. Extra kudos to Devin because um, we're recording this in the morning, New York time, and she's in San Francisco. So you know about the three-hour difference and stuff. She is an eager beaver. So Devin, kudos to you for being up so early in the morning. And of course, Moby is joining us from over the pond in, in, in the UK. So kudos to you for that as well. Very much appreciated. So Moby and Devin are from the global socially-led creative agency, We Are Social, and they are here today to discuss what brands and marketers can expect from social in 2023, with a specific emphasis on trends that were featured in the Think Forward 2023 Trends Report. I checked out the report before our podcast today, and I highly recommend everyone out there look at it, thinkforward.wearesocial.com. It's a really fascinating study, and I think you'll enjoy it. So definitely check it out. And I'm just going to share a couple of very top-line findings that I found from the report. We're obviously going to dig really deep into those as as this conversation continues. One, people want search to be less precise and more exploratory. Two, disillusionment with old forms of search. And another one, search is about curating information not collecting information. And again, there's so many more interesting findings in this report, and we're going to get to that right now. So my first topic for you guys, this year, Think Forward is all about fragmented futures. So how did you land on this theme, and what can we expect from the trends report? Either one of you could start. Great. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Thanks for that, Gideon. So yeah, fragmented futures. The background to that is, I mean, we've been doing this report now for a number of years. I think it's the eighth year of of Think Forward for us. And every year uh, things change and uh, we try to encapsulate what we've been seeing happening during the last 12 months in social media. This year in particular, we're coming out of the last two wild years of the pandemic where we saw obviously an increased use of social, an increased use of digital and online media And I think we're now at the point where we can start to see some of those behaviors are becoming longer term behaviors. So a couple of years ago, we were still trying to predict, well, with all these changes that we're seeing, what's really going to stick and what's going to fall away. And now we can start to see what is beginning to stick. And some of the broader themes that are driving this report are, first of all, social's always been very fast paced, but uh, we're starting to see social accelerating even faster. I saw some interesting data recently that in is about the life cycle of a trend on social. So in 2016, the average length of a Twitter trend was 11 hours. Now it's apparently less than 11 minutes. So that kind of shows you the speed at which social is accelerating. The vast volume and quantity of content that we're being exposed to every second, every minute of every day. So standing out in the feed is becoming really difficult. And what we're seeing as a result is more and more niche, extreme, chaotic content uh, proliferating in our feeds. And that's what's disrupting and that's what's getting energy around it. 
Um, you know, part of that has been driven by the rise of platforms like TikTok, shifting away from the social graph to the interest graph. So now we're able to sort of access content that we might not have seen before. Um, so that's partly what's driving disruption um, and therefore fragmentation. The other thing that we're seeing also is opening up of new worlds. So virtual worlds, so spaces like Roblox, Fortnite, you know, they're becoming part of mainstream culture. You know, audiences are increasingly hanging out in these spaces. And we, we look at these spaces because they're not just gaming platforms. They are social platforms. You know, people are there not to just play games, but they're there to socialize and connect with each other. So the spaces in which you can be on are becoming even more diverse. And that's creating sort of disruption and fragmentation. But what we think is that as a result of all of this disruption, what's happened and as a result of the last two years is we're becoming much more confident in dealing with fragmentation and choice. And I think that's really exciting for brands that consumers are becoming much more skilled, adapting to all of these changes, adapting to the pace, adapting to the different opportunities. And what we're seeing is that people are carving out their own customs, niches, territories, what we're calling these marginal worlds that actually um, are no longer just marginal or on the edge. They have the power to become mainstream. And so from a brand point of view, there is fragmentation and there are fewer predictable patterns of what, what's happening in social. But at the same time, we think there's a lot more creative opportunities. And so for brands that can adapt, it's a really exciting time. So, yeah, that's how we got to the fragmented futures theme. And, yeah, what can you expect from the report? Well, just a lot of very exciting different opportunities and five different trends that help brands navigate this new future. Moby, thank you so much for that. And I have to admit that was a brilliant answer, but 11 minutes I'm sorry, 11 hours to 11 minutes. That is just such a stark difference. It really, it really challenges brands to hit consumers hard and effectively because you really don't have a lot of time. Attention spans are just, they just don't exist anymore. Now, this whole concept of fragmentation, what are some of the broad themes or trends that you think are really driving all of this? Yeah, there's a number of trends that are driving um, the broader report and some of the things we've seen. If you look on a social level first and really kind of on an algorithmic level, gone are the days where you would see feeds that are clustered around your friends and family. Um, for example, the Instagrams where you would have traditionally used that as a place to connect with people that you know. Now we have the days of for you pages where social is guided around individual interests so this is a shift from the social to the interest graph, and it's really driven by platforms, but it means that people are now getting used to this idea of being served up content, not just from their friends and family, but based on their interests. On a cultural level, we're seeing some of this fragmentation where we might have once gone from a universal kind of water cooler chat moment that would have been dictated by popular culture. You know, looking years ago, that could have looked like what people are watching on TV that night. But now it's driven by more niche and sort of transient corners of the Internet. So we have the likes of Discord and Substack. People are subscribing and activating in these kind of arenas where it's not just around your physical identity. There's psychological identities, um, places like the Web3 Baddies group that we see on Discord, places where people can really find their niche. And it's, um, and it's very fragmented. We're also seeing with the rise of community, there's less focus on the individual. So as I mentioned, kind of moving away 
from that that social graph to the interest graph well platforms that are now centered around your interests mean that there's lots of a platform for the individual so we're seeing things like the rise of pseudonymous platforms platforms like reddit discord twitch places where you're logging on not as necessarily you but as your avatar or as a pseudonym um, you're seeing those free floating avatars in places like roblox or the metaverse. Um, and then even in TikTok, if you looked at TikTok, while yes, your feed will be dominated by individual creators, people are not necessarily going and following those individual creator pages. They're actually finding themselves in specific talks. Like for, for myself, for example, I'm in book talk. I'm not necessarily following a reviewer. I'm following that um, interest. And then if we look to an individual level, so people, as you can see offline, same thing that's happening online, people are exploring their identities. They're more layered, they're more fluid than ever before. And so I love this expression. It's more of an avatar de jour. It's more of um, a flexible kind of identity. And we have all these great technologies now that are available to us to help us express those things like AI, where we're seeing in Asia, for example, people are using AI technology to embody their favorite virtual YouTubers. And they're expressing their fandoms in really different ways now and kind of creating their own fan fictions, for example. Um, and then beyond all this, I know I've mentioned a number of things here, but we have platforms really helping people shapeshift. Um, we've got TikTok where people are being able to um, sustain their interests in different topics. It's actually shaping how people are expecting to be served content. It's more curated, more crowdsourced. We're seeing gaming worlds that are really increasing people's appetites for new technologies, making way for things like AR and VR. Um, and it's really changing how people are presenting themselves to the world. So throughout all of these different trends and all of these different things, it's creating this more textured and nuanced experience for people. You know, I am quickly learning that answering any question second between the two of you is a very difficult spot <laughs> because the first person covers so much. But Moby, I want to let you chime in on this as well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to add to that. That was pretty thorough covering of um, the the broader trends that feed in. Well, the broader themes that feed into the trends this year. Yeah, just I, I mean, I'm just going to leave the floor at that. <laughs> Very wise. I think Devin covered everything pretty well. I'm really excited to ask you this next question because um, if you have, if you both have the same answer, I'll actually be disappointed. It's really, um, what is your favorite trend this year? Moby, I have to go back to the order, so I'm going to let you go first. But Devin, I'm sure you will not answer the same as Moby will, but Moby, I'll let you go first. Yeah, actually, um, Gideon, you sort of mentioned some of it at the start. So one of the trends is textured discovery which is all about how search is changing thanks to social media. Um, and I really do love this trend because I think it's got the most potential for brands um, because it's all about how are consumers discovering brands, products and services now. And I think it's a trend actually that's already been picked up by Google, who are obviously the masters of search. They themselves have been quoted as saying that as much as 40% of Gen Z search behaviors no longer start on Google, but actually start on Instagram or TikTok. Um, so that's another one of those stats that I find, you know, quite, quite stunning um, because, you know, we're all very used to one, one sort of mode of search. But actually what we're seeing now is that for younger audiences, at least, search is less about cold information. Uh, it's less linear. 
Uh, it's more immersive, more unexpected. We're seeing whole new modes of discovery that include the visual, the collaborative, and most importantly, being much more open to chance as well. So it's a bit like the surprise me option on Netflix, which I use quite often because, you know, you do end up not knowing what to watch next on Netflix. And, uh, you know, we are seeing that people are open to getting out of their filter bubbles and consuming content that's unexpected or stuff that they wouldn't necessarily see. But as I said, also, we're seeing some interesting trends around search becoming more immersive, but also emotional. So one of my favorite examples is a Reddit thread called Books That Feel Like This. So here people are posting pictures, like images. It could be um, soldiers embracing. It could be a landscape scene. It could be, you know, a summer beach scene. And they're asking for recommendations of books that match the mood of the picture. So just a really great example of the trend, textured discovery, and how our search behaviors are becoming so much more nuanced um, and you know, much more holistic around all of our senses. So I think very exciting one for, for brands. So that's one of my favorite ones this year. Thank you so much for that, Mobin. You know, I think it's interesting um, in a world where holistic well-being, empathy, and emotions have become such a crucial part of the marketing and communications function. It's interesting that that yeah. is also playing out in even the way people search. So there's some very consistent threads there. So thank you for that. Um, Devin, like I said, I am sure your favorite trend is not the same as what Moby said. And even if it is, just please come up with something else. So floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I've touched on this actually previously, but my favorite trend is what we call expanding identities. And this is the trend in which we're seeing virtual worlds making online identity more flexible and expansive. And this is where we're seeing the convergence of some of these great Web3 tech technologies available to us, things like AR and VR, they're helping people express themselves in different ways, but also express different dimensions of themselves. I mentioned the avatar du jour. So this idea that people can express themselves fluidly. Um, your avatar really doesn't necessarily now reflect um, one version of you. Uh, it used to be that you could become, you know, a bit moji. That was your physical look and more of kind of a cute cartoon presence. But people are now showing off their interests that can go beyond just the physical. Um, so, for example, we see in, there's a Roblox game where people can act as a football coach, for example. Um, pe people can be Spider-Man. People can perfectly curate their Instagram feeds. Um, and they can make themselves into kind of superheroes through new technology like this Lenza app. But my favorite part of this really is if you look to the social good and the opportunity within all of this, uh, we're seeing that avatar communications can actually help people fulfill their unmet needs that they may not be able to fulfill offline. They can now do that online. So a great example of this that I love to mention, because as a Canadian, this is research that comes out of Canada. Um, we're seeing there that people, uh, researchers are working on using AI to parse together the personalities of deceased loved ones into avatars. And the intent here is that people can then use that in therapeutic ways to process their grief um, and, and their mourning amongst of their loved ones. And they're calling that augmented eternity. And I just think this is just such an opportunity, not just for brands, but for society to think about uh, leveraging these new technologies in awesome ways. I really appreciate both of your answers to that because both of them went in directions that I might not have expected. 
Um, but Devin, like I was talking with Moby before, what I really like about that is, again, the emotions and, you know, taking care of unmet needs. It is amazing how those broader trends and themes that are going on in the world today are also manifesting themselves on the way people search on the platforms that they're using. So again, it's really interesting. I was kind of all melding together. So really, thank you. Thank you for that. Now, the next question is one I'm also very interested to hear what you guys have to say. Again, it's one that I really hope you guys did not have the same answer for, but it's what has been the most surprising bit of research that you've uncovered? Is there any part of the report that you simply were not expecting? So Devin, back to you going first. So floor is yours. Yeah, I'm going to explain a trend before I tell you the part of it that I found unexpected. Um, So I'm looking at our collapsing narratives trend. So this is a trend in which we're seeing that storytelling is no longer linear. We're seeing that traditional approaches uh, to storytelling where you'd have that kind of clear beginning and your resolution, so your attention and resolution in between. We're not seeing that traditional arc. Um, And instead, what we're seeing is that those story arcs are collapsing. um, They're starting mid-narrative. They're kind of expanding. They're going across platforms. An example of this is really how you would have seen the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial play out, where you would have been on TikTok seeing one thing, and then you would have seen something else on Reddit. Um, Or, for example, you would have seen all the nuance and backstory associated with Spitgate, in which Harry Styles allegedly spit on Chris Pine. So these are two examples of this of collapsing narratives as a trend. Um, now, some of the stuff that's fueling this, um, you know, we're seeing the, the impact of fandoms, communities really evolving around core interests where you no longer need um, to have someone explain something to you because you're intuitively into these ideas. You already know the backstories. And so there's an opportunity here for stories to play out across platforms like a bit of a puzzle. So that's collapsing narratives. But the part about this that I found surprising is how storytelling is manifesting this train, uh, this trend in different ways. And so it's really not so much about how um, collapsing narratives is, is breeding more interesting stories. It's more about how it's sensationalizing some more mundane things um, to create new stories. And the example I'd give you there is Dimes Square. So you might be familiar with Dimes Square. So Dimes Square is essentially a triangle of streets in Manhattan. Um, and it's being referred to as the first meme neighborhood. So it's essentially a place where people are, you know, go for brunch, where people go to see people or to be seen. And because of that, there's a bit of there's hype and fascination around it that really was born out of the pandemic. And it's being called a meme neighborhood because we have accounts like Nolita Dirtbag, for example, talking about it, um, sharing images of it, making inside references. Um, There's tons of media articles explaining what it's all about. Um, There's a planned reality TV series. And what's so interesting about this for me as a function of this kind of wider collapsing narratives trend is that um, if you look at conventions of good storytelling, Dime Square doesn't really meet them. There isn't really any logical explanation why this would be a place that you know people are now intentionally visiting from out of the country, for example. So it's kind of hard to understand. There's tons of backstory. There's tons of slang associated with it. But it really speaks to this idea of these niche interests that the internet enables and the different ways that people want to receive information now because of that. Thank you very much, Devin. And thank you for teaching me something about my hometown that I didn't know. 
So it takes someone from Canada to do that. Shame on me, but good for you. Uh, Dime Square. Okay, I'll have to definitely check that out. Moby, surprising things from the research for you. Yeah, one of the one of the most surprising stats that we uncovered um, whilst we were doing this research uh, goes back to the expanding identities trend that we talked about earlier. And we found out that actually 60% of Gen Z believe that their online identity is more important than their offline identity. And I think that really just speaks to the massive shift in perception and understanding of these spaces with the younger audiences. So, you know, for my generation, we know I've, we've, we've all invested in uh, status and, uh, and assets that are physical, Whereas for the Gen Z generation, they are open to investing in assets that are not physical, are just entirely digital. So I found that stat really quite surprising. But, you know, it is a massive shift that we all need to get our heads around. And the opportunity for brands is to help these audiences express themselves in online worlds in the ways that they want to to be more diverse by design, for example. You know, we all know that you know, the physical world we live in isn't as diverse as it could be. And how could we make sure that the virtual worlds that we're all going to be inhabiting in the future don't come up against the same issues and that, you know, they are more diverse by design. So you know, we talk in the report about examples like the open source Afro hair library. And so it's a library of different Afro hair types that you can use in these virtual worlds that's been inspired by the poor depictions of black hair in video games, which are um, generally very limited or quite stereotyped. And so creating this open source database of 3D model black hairstyles is just a great example of the community itself leaning into trying to make these worlds better spaces for them to express themselves. And it all goes back to that, that original stat I spoke about that, you know, how you represent in the online world is going to be, already is for some audiences, more important than how they represent in the offline world. Thank you for that. And once again, a trend that is a trend that is manifesting itself in the real world, the, the pursuit of true diversity, equity, and inclusion, once again, entering this conversation, seems to, be, seems to be a common thread in this conversation the three of us are having. And I think it's great. Up until now, you guys have done an amazing job of laying out the incredible opportunities, but the incredible challenges that brands really have to face with this ever-evolving world of search and fragmentation. So this is going to be a tough question for you to answer the way I'm going to ask it, but I have a lot of faith in you. Brands have to navigate this, and this is going to be very challenging, and they have to think in ways that they probably never had to before. So when brands are looking to tackle this brave new world, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give them to best do that? And again, I know this is probably an answer that could be an hour long, but I'm sort of asking you to answer it in a minute. So not easy, but I know you can do it because after all, you are social, right? So Moby, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges and a question that we've been asked a lot as we've been discussing these trends with our clients and with other brands is how to enter into these spaces in an authentic way. Because as we said, we're seeing, you know, the proliferation of different community groups, sub-community groups, niches. They all have their own culture. They all have their own behaviors. They all have their own um, values. And for brands to just 
enter into these spaces, could they be look like they're just jumping on the bandwagon? Um, and how do they avoid that and to, to do it in an authentic way? So I think that's going to be one of the, the bigger challenges. I think we've seen and we talk in the report about some great examples of brands that have done it in authentic ways. And it it tends to be by thinking first about what their values are and what they're trying to communicate and then finding the right partners to partner with to you know spread that message. So the one of the examples we talk about is the partnership between uh, Gucci and North Face and how they worked with a TikToker called Francis Bourgeois to do that. He, he is a train spotter. He went viral. And, you know, he represents a fairly niche style of content on the platform. But there was definitely a good match between, you know, Gucci and North Face and him because what they were trying to express was eccentric exploration through their partnership. And so Francis Bourgeois was a great spokesperson for that, you know, with the type of content that he was putting out there. So I think there's there's ways to walk into these spaces in relevant and authentic ways. You just have to think, you know, think carefully about it and have a greater sense of your own brand and your own values and what you're trying to communicate and make sure there's a good overlap between that and the spaces that you're moving into. Thank you, Moby. And now, Devin, it's your turn. So another challenge that we see for brands is establishing or releasing brand control. And if if you look particularly to our new cooperatives trend, you can see how that would be a challenge. So this is the trend where we see that because of identity curation, because of the way um, that people have traditionally worked in the past, you know, with, with platforms that were based around the individual where we had hierarchy, where we had status seeking, we're now moving towards effective community building. Um, that This means that brands don't have the opportunity that they did in the past to really be a bit more top down in their communications. Um, it means that communities are operating in platforms where um, they have more of their own terms. So platforms like Reddit and Discord. Um, and so, you know, the challenge here is control for the brand. The opportunity here is to really think of more meaningful values alignments with the communities in which they are engaging and then being comfortable with with releasing some of that control. And an example of a brand that's done this really well, where they've aligned their values to a community and, and done really good stuff around that is Adidas. If you look to what they did this year for um, World Oceans Day in advance of that, um, they created, a, they have a campaign called Run for the Ocean, and they partnered with the nonprofit Parlay to essentially enable their community to help clean up the oceans. The way it worked was anytime someone logged 10 minutes into the app, into one of the Adidas running apps, um, Parlay would then commit to removing a plastic bottle from beachfronts. So that meant they literally mobilized a community to help clean up the ocean, which was something that, you know, that is, is a values alignment between the community, between the brand, frankly, between everyone, I would assume, but a really cool way to, um, to not have the brand in the driver's seat there, but have the community be in the driver's seat. That's in alignment with this trend that we're seeing. Honestly, guys, I could talk to you for hours because clearly your knowledge and expertise extends far beyond just the 20 to 25 minutes we spent today. But I want to thank both of you for the time you took today. I also want to thank We Are Social for not only sponsoring this podcast, but for this amazing report that they've put together, Think Forward. And again, it's thinkforward.wearesocial.com. You got a taste of it during this podcast. There's a lot more in the report that we couldn't quite cover today. Definitely check it out. It's worth it. And I also want to thank both of you for really making the title of this podcast, The Future of Social Media, really stand out. 
Um, you guys are both really, really expert at this stuff. And I learned a lot. I took a lot of notes today. You guys might have heard the clicking of me typing. So apologies for that. But anyway, some really, really fascinating stuff. So, um, of course, I want to thank all of you out there for listening. I'm sure you got a lot of this podcast. And like I said, definitely check out the report. It's definitely a worthwhile read. Devin and Moby, thank you very much for taking the time today. Until next time, this is Gideon Philzide. Wishing all of you a great rest of your day. And of course, the happiest of holiday seasons to you and yours. 